Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers, and happy Pride Month, everyone. (laughs) It's the one month that corporations acknowledge we exist. Happy Corporate Rainbow Month. Happy Corporate Rainbow Month. It's our favorite month of the year. Where Target sells offensive rainbow jumpsuits and... Oh, Lord. That, uh, <laughs> I don't... I think it was I think it was the putting the hashtag on there that really, like, oversold. Like, I, I walk into the Target. They're front and center. These suits are front and center. These, like, rainbow... Yeah suits now some of the shirts i will say that they've got there i've thought some of them are pretty cute yeah they're not bad i think it's just i just find it offensive when i see these like literally like what's i'm assuming is supposed to be like a business suit but it's all rainbow but it has shorts instead of pants and then it's just offensive to look at so i don't even think a, a real gay person would never wear it so I can only assume that the only person who's going to wear it is that one straight guy at a party who's a quote unquote ally of everybody. Oh He's, yeah, you know what I mean, like I can't think of anybody yeah. else who'd wear it. I I think the tackiness for me, like the suit, is bad enough on its own. Right. The tackiness to me is like slapping the hat, the corporate hashtag on top of it, yeah. and I'm just like, ugh. I don't like it. I don't. I want them I to. S- Here's what I want. I want them to get a focus group together of actual homosexuals from all aspects of the alphabet mafia. And I want all of them to have an input on like one design. So like you can have like two or three gays go, okay, we're going to make one, two or three, you know, gay shirts, general gay shirts. And then you can have a couple lesbians design a couple lesbian shirts. And then you can have a couple trans people, maybe, you know, like that's what they need to do. That'd I be think, neat. yeah, because they could also showcase queer designers, but like it's Target, so they won't do that. That's what they honestly. That's what they should do. That's they what should, they should do. They should say, "Hey, design competition, right? Submit your design for the Ooh. Target T-shirt competition, Pride Month, whatever." And then I mean, people can vote on it and bullshit. Then you have the social engagement. Then you have all that shit that they love. So it'll work out. It's, uh, I mean, it's corp. It's still corporate as fuck, but at right. least it would be like elevating queer voices and in some right. way. Yeah, I personally would prefer that like corporations acknowledge we exist the other eleven months when we're not a marketable demographic. Uh, that right. would be awesome, but. I feel like I'm less likely to buy gay stuff during Pride Month than I am like any other. I already stuff. own all my gay stuff. That's the thing. That's true. I don't. I don't need to buy more. I already own it. I bought it the other 11 months out of the year. And what's funny is Target always puts it in the generally like same section, which is since it's during the month of June, it's also in the Father's Day section. So you have the Father's Day (laughs) gift, the shitty Father's Day gifts next to the pride stuff. And then that's kind of like next to that is like the leftover St. Patrick's Day stuff because I couldn't get rid of it. It's gifts for dad and gifts for daddy. Right. That's how it works. Coming into Pride Month, um, I just want to say that we we aren't doing any special episodes or anything for Pride Month, but we are relatively active on our social media. I just want to give a shout out. We were on a list of queer content creators on the Star Wars Explained live stream the other day. So I wanted to send a huge thank you out to 
Alex and Molly Damon for including us on that. Uh, and also the post that I made on Twitter uh, drew my attention to a lot of queer content creators that I hadn't discovered until then. So I've actually mm. been trying to catch up on some of these queer uh, other podcasters and other content creators that I'm just now discovering it exists, oh. thanks to the the post that I made on the original Star Wars Explained tweet. This week, I've been listening to Pink Milk, which is a, <laughs> I love the name. I love I that love name. The name. That's hilarious. It's a, it's a pair of husbands that do a couple of Star Wars podcasts. And then oh. I also, this week... I'm going to be listening to uh, a few episodes of Force Friends Rewatch, who do kind of the same thing we do, where they watch yeah. specific episodes of TV shows. Gotcha. But I think they do it more of a retrospective, whereas we're doing the ones that are airing right now. Gotcha. So I'm definitely going to be checking them out this week. But if you follow our Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze, uh, I'm retweeting a bunch of episodes of these queer content creators that are coming out. It's the good thing about being between jobs is I have tons of time to listen to these podcasts. <laughs> you got stuff to do. So this week, uh, Bradley gets to join the ranks of the people who are wrong about their Star Wars Bad Batch episode predictions. Welcome to the club, Bradley. I, you know what? I, I was, I was riding so high on, uh, and my wings, uh, started to melt this week as I flew too close to the sun. Oh, so you can read. <laughs> no, I just understand references from literature. Uh huh. He gets, uh, he gets non-twinks to tell him about these things so he can sound smart. Right. This week, the episode is called Decommissioned. What did you think of the episode, Bradley? Let's um, start with that. Good episode overall. Uh, I like, it's a lot of action. Um, it was kind of like a pretty pretty quick episode too, it felt like. I Not like last week where it felt like they only really had one tiny little thing they had to do during the whole episode. This one I felt like it was a little bit more, I was a little more engaged, but that's possibly because of the return of characters we've already known. So I don't know if that had to do anything with it. Because last week was more kind of like just brand new stuff the whole time. So I don't know. This really is like a sequel to Clone Wars. Like I made a note at one point. I was like, this really is the Clone Wars sequel series. Because we've yeah. had we've had Onderon. We've had uh, the Zygerians last week. Uh, now we have other new characters that are returning. Mm -hmm. Like it really is just following up. I think really only the episode on like, the deserted moon no because they even went back to onderon in that one right so like all these this really is like the clone wars sequel i i loved it um yeah i'd put it mid to high on my ranking thus far i should probably be keeping an official ranking somewhere. No, I, I guess i didn't think of that i'd be like what's your overall rating of the episode i give what's it what's your overall three? rating of the episode yeah well because this one was more about themes and it was about necessarily advancing the plot right per se which i did like uh you know as long as it, the episode has a point even though you know they kind of wind up where they started with they have no new information we as the audience have new information right but they don't so we open up on ord mantel again 
outside of Sid's place, which it looks like Sid's place is going to kind of be our base of operations. Yeah, I, I noted that he's uh, she's back, um, and I was like, oh, that's nice that she's back because I was hoping she would return, but I didn't realize like, oh, she's going to be our kind of not our quest master, but you know what I mean? Like very much like they have to keep coming back to her to move the plot forward. She's a walking job board. Yeah. They have to come to her and and do the job and then solve the, they solve that week's problem and that helps them gradually move the plot forward. Yeah. Well, I enjoy her. So I'm glad to see her back. It is delightful. Uh, We see Omega kind of learning, trying to learn to use the light bow. I noted, I noted that they, they keep doing this thing, which is that they introduce something in the episode, and then, but they don't use it or reference it until the second episode. So it's kind of like weird that she, we introduced the lipo last week, but now we're going to use it. Now we're going to practice with it. Like, well, it, it almost kind of is building each episode, sort of building on each other. Yeah. So, you know, she screws up something in some episode, and then the next episode we see them kind of learning her more learning how to like, it's a character progression arc. It's not necessarily, you know, a, a static thing. We've seen her progression as a character, even between episodes one and six. Right. So we see her learning to fire this light bow. She's not very good at it. Echo tells her she's, she's got to learn to tune out distractions. Sid shows up and is like, Hey nerds. Uh, I got a job for you. <laughs> And because uh, you're my bitches now, right? You're gonna go and do it. You're so she sends them to Corellia <laughs> to get a tactical droid. So the second they said Corellia, which my notes uh, auto corrected to Cornelia. Um, so I was like, they're going to college, but I saw Corellia and I was like. Oh no, are they going to do Young Han Solo in this episode? That's what I thought because I saw the episode. I went in through the actual episode description. Remember last week we talked about going in through the main page through going in through the episode? Yeah. I went in through the episode. It mentioned they ran a, like, encountered smugglers. And I went, oh, uh, we're going to do Young, a young Han young Solo. Han young Kira, which would have been interesting considering the major revelations in the comic this week. Yeah, I was. Bradley con- has no idea what I've ju- what I just uh, mentioned, but I'm sure some people in the audience went, "Oh yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about." Oh, I don't know comic book wise what you're talking about, but I was trying to figure out timeline wise, like where in the timeline does Solo like overlap with this show? Because I was trying to figure that out. Solo's. It can't be seven too much. Or eight years in the future. It is okay. Like I think he's. I think he's like about 10 now during Revenge of the Sith. So if this is a few months later. Right. He could be like maybe 11-ish. He's maybe 11-ish at the time that this takes place. So would we argue that he's about the same age as Omega at this point? If she's... Yeah, he would be about the same age as Omega, actually. If if we assume... We don't know how old she is. Right, right, right. But we can assume she's... We also don't know if she's a fast-growing clone. That's the thing. Right. I, yeah, but just visually, she is in that 10 or 11, 12 range. Right. So, Which is also the target demo of the show, funny Of enough. course. Ha, ha, ha. Clever of 
Lucasfilm. Um, Clever of them to include a, a character that's exactly in the age range of kids who are going to be watching this show. But of course, you know, it is a kids franchise for kids about magic space wizards. So, so I thought it. that when they went to Corellia that I genuinely thought they were going to run into young Han and young Kira running, you know, running for the gang. Um, and I thought that was, I was like, oh, oh, that's what they're doing this episode. I was like... I thought exactly the same thing. And it turned out obviously not to be the case as we will get to, but right. that's what I, where I thought but I was, was I was this close. I was like, oh my God, they're going to end. I was like, it. if they do the, I'm, I'm going to be vague about it in case people haven't managed to read the comic yet. Mm-hmm. If they do the timing of the revelation at the end of the first War of the Bounty Hunters comic on the same week that we see a young Han and Kira on Corellia, that'd be some wild cross-brand timing. Mm. That'd be some absolutely wild stuff, but they didn't actually, they did not actually uh, have Han and Kira. So it's just totally coincidental that we went to Corellia the same week. We see Sid use the light bow and Sid gives some advice, which does not ultimately end up coming up later in the episode, but also is shown to be proficient with the light bow and she interrupts tech. And when he interrupts her brief, I just love Sid. Yeah. I just love her so much. I really like that. She did that with the energy bow. She was like, yeah, you just don't have enough power. And she was just like, boom, boom, boom. (laughs) I was like, Oh, she's proficient. Okay. Damn. Sid is a wonderful wonderful she has like this uh old over it queen energy mm-hmm. yeah to her that yes like she's like one of these like older drag queens who's like been around the block a few times and just does not have time for your shit anymore i love it i agree as we're coming up to the planet we see that the bad batch has attached themselves underneath a transport and that's how they're sneaking in Little reference that um, Bradley's not going to get, but I've mentioned ever since the trailers because I love it. The cargo ship design is very similar to that of the Legacy Run, uh, the destruction of which is the inciting incident for the entire High Republic era. So that was a neat little nod for me to have that in there. Bradley's giving me one of those looks like, can you stop bringing up the High Republic at every fucking opportunity? We get it. You love this whole thing. <laughs> I don't even know. You. I don't even know what you... I don't even know who the High Republic is. Who is she? Well, if we get down to launching some video content and we uh, yeah. ultimately nail ourselves an Audible sponsorship, Bradley, I will get you the audiobooks for the High Republic so that See, your dumb illiterate twink ass can actually... That, uh, that sounds great. You know what? That's right. Audible, please. <laughs> right? I'm here now. Please sponsor us so that I can get a free subscription to Audible so I can listen to the High Republic on audiobook so that I can educate myself because I, I just can't see myself. Fair Unless I thought. go like... Spare a thought for the twinks who can't read. Right. Unless I could just go to Target and stand in the book aisle and just kind of like flip through the book real quick, like, and just go like, all right, let's see what happens in this book. <laughs> I mean, they might, they might do a comic adaptation. I remember you read the, you read the Thrawn comic adaptation. That's right. Well, I, whoa, whoa, let's correct. I started 
the comic. <laughs> okay, he started the comic. I never finished it, but I did read more in the first Thrawn book than I ever read in the comics. But it was, I mean, it was basically the same. And also, you know, Thrawn is gay culture. That's why we included him in our oh, yes. graphic. Yes, he is our graphic in there. Fun fact about that graphic. Uh, so Bradley's three hours ahead of me. <laughs> So I will often, when there's when there's something that needs to be addressed, it's like noon, one in the afternoon, his time by the time I'm waking up. So I woke up to that graphic in my inbox and looked at it, pulled it up and looked at it. I was like, why is Ray Sloan on here? So that was my one of my pieces of, of feedback. I was like, why is Ray Sloan on here? And he linked me to the... <laughs> pride month cover articles and that's how i discovered that ray sloan is a member of the lgbt community which i i, I didn't know but that's your fun fact for the behind the scenes for the day <laughs> right. i discovered that when bradley sent me that pride month graphic for approval and just for clarity reasons that may or may not be a character you think that is going to show up in the obi-wan kenobi series correct that is a character that I do believe is going to show up in, uh, it may or may not show up in the right. Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So we head in, we land, we're going to go in on foot because obviously uh, they use an interesting exploit with the droids where they say, okay, the police droids are going to have this blind spot, which almost kind of highlights an issue with using droids over people because droids are extremely predictable. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to point out that was kind of a cool little detail. They head in. Hunter is divvying up the tasks. And I want to point out there's a specific point where Wrecker says, he assigns Wrecker to keep lookout. And Wrecker goes, well, that was always Crosshair's job. Up until this moment, it always felt like the team was complete. It never really felt like Crosshair was missing mm. until this particular mission where it, it suddenly kind of starts to feel like, okay, there is a missing component to this team. Yeah, like they needed him for his expertise, which Record does seem to do a good job of later on, but only like last minute, whereas Crosshair probably would have been a little bit more proficient and on alert the whole time. You can see how the mission would have gone easier if Crosshair had been present. Right. Which does highlight... And his presence, too, is felt in this series, even though he's only been in two episodes thus far. It's been, yeah, it's weird, right? Because I almost forget sometimes that he's a part of the Bad Batch. You know what I mean? Because they have kind of made it like, oh, where did he go? You know, he's gone. Like, they haven't really included him in the last couple episodes, so it's kind of been a little weird. I feel like if we don't see him next episode, it'll be a mistake, um on the show's part because where they referenced him in this episode i definitely think we need to have just some kind of appearance otherwise people are going to start to forget him you know and that's they reference him pretty much every episode i think that rampage was the only one where he didn't at least get mentioned in some capacity um because i know they mentioned that the the wrist communicator that omega uses was actually his but gotcha so over the course of them they, they locate the head omega locates the head but someone grabs it and runs off with it 
Oh no, mystery person. And then somebody else encounters Omega. Who could it possibly be? Well, the person who confronts Omega turns out to be Rafa Martez. And the person holding the head turns out to be Trace Martez. It's not Han and Kira. It's the Martez sisters. Yeah. And see, again, they faked us out because they had two people. And I was like, oh, it's Han and Kira stealing for um, what's her face? Uh, Lady Proxima. Lady Proxima. I was like, oh, they're, they're trying to get it for Lady Proxima because for some reason she needs a droid head. You know what I mean? And I'm glad they kind of included these two because... Well, one, you know, the show definitely needs a boost of female energy because it's it's tough when half your characters are the same male genetics. Um, and also the same, yeah, the same male <laughs> template and the same male voice actor. Right. Shout out D. Bradley Baker, who was carrying this entire series on his back. Which is fine and impressive, but it's also at the same time, like, okay, you, I think, honestly, that might be why, like, Sid is a female, why? You know, they're trying to put in female characters when they can. Because, Which is great. Yeah. We we talked about, well, I remember we talked about in, in Mando where in episode three, you had kind of gotten the impression that they were pushing the new female characters pretty hard in terms of their competency. And I had said, well, I think it's it's getting that sense because the the old Star Wars content hadn't been really great with its female representation. Right. And as the universe expands and we get to see more women, more people of color, more LGBT people, it's going to become less and less like that's something that needs to, it's going to be less something that stands out. Right. So it is awesome that the show is including more um, people of color and more female characters who are diverse female characters. I don't think we've seen any LGBT characters in the Bad Batch yet. Not that we know of. Not that, that we been, know of. That have been confirmed or not. They could they could, they could, could do like, watch them be confirmed in like some book somewhere, somewhere down the line. That always happens. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely said that. And especially with the Rafa and Trace character, because I, when I was watching Clone Wars, you know, Ahsoka always has seemed to me to be like kind of this bisexual energy anyway. And so I think that her, not her, I, I don't want to say like her sisterly connection, but her feminine connection to um, Trace in the last season of Clone Wars was definitely that kind of like, oh, maybe they could end up being like a couple at some point. You know what I mean? Like, Fun fact, uh, the Martez sisters actually replaced uh, in the original conception for that arc in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm the Martez sisters actually replaced a male character who was supposed to be kind of a love interest for Ahsoka. Mm. So, I mean, that tracks. Well, because also in the original Clone Wars, you know, when Ahsoka and her friend... um, Barris. Barris, you know, that already was already like, are they friends? Are they more than friends kind of thing? You know, like, it was just a hint. Well, the the High Republic has established that Padawans are allowed to have relationships with each other. Right. Can't get attached. So, you know, maybe there was, maybe there was something there. I'm glad that they replaced that character with the two sisters. Oh yeah. Glad that now the two sisters have come back. We'll get to it in a little bit later on, but Mm. there's even been some character development with them. 
Well, and I'm glad that they did use these sister characters too, because if they had given Ahsoka some male love interest, I would have been so fucking done with Ahsoka. I would have been like, no, she does not fall in love with some random ass dude. That's not fucking her story. I don't like that. No, I I, mean, I, I love I love the idea of like Ahsoka having this bisexual energy because yeah. the more people tell this to me, people have been telling it to me for years, and the, every time I I'm like, yeah, yeah, she kind of makes does. sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So we've got Rafa is confronting omega up on the catwalk and trace has got the droid head rafa pulls some pretty classic rafa where she convinces omega to to put the light bow down and then knocks it out of her hand right which is a very rafa thing to do i this is where i noted it that this really is just a sequel to to clone wars yeah. but every episode they're just they're bringing back more stuff which I'm down for Rebels kind of function. I have later on in the show that Rebels, this kind of functions as a nice in-between because it's sort of a spiritual predecessor to Rebels, but also kind of a direct sequel to the Clone Wars that picks up some of the stuff that we were kind of wondering after the Clone Wars. What happened to Cut and what happened to, you know, all this stuff and they're answering some of these questions. Right. I was, um, sorry, I was looking up the voice actress for um, Rafa. And because uh, I just like her voice. I don't know. I was like, what is it about her? I'm trying to like look her up and see if I've seen her in anything else. And I haven't, which is strange because I really like her voice. And I, uh, her, she's voiced by Elizabeth Rodriguez, but I don't know what she's from. Oh, she's from Orange is the New Black. That's what she is. Okay. What character does she play in Orange is the New Black? She plays, um, okay, God, I haven't watched the show in so long. Uh, but she's the mother uh, of the Diaz character. Um, oh, the, the girl who's um, pregnant. Oh, okay. She plays the mom. And that's why I was like, I know her voice from oh. somewhere. Orange is oh, the New Black. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> God, I haven't thought about I stopped watching that show after the the prison riot arc. Oh, riot, I, I yeah. watched like two episodes of season six and just kind of fell off of it. Yeah, I I, I lose interest, but I now I know it's her. I'm like, oh, I got it. I was I like, okay, gotcha. now I never have to watch the episode again where I'm like, who the fuck is voicing this character? I mean, yes, I could have just looked it up on IMDb, like you know, fingers a year crossed. Ago, fingers but. crossed, she shows up again. That's right. Well, once it gets to the end, uh, I think she might. So. so so, Wrecker has a chance to show off some skills this episode at, where he shoots some of the police droids from his kind of crow's nest. Mm-hmm. So we are getting to see, I talked about in previous, uh, uh, previous episodes, I wanted to see Wrecker do something besides just punch things or be strong. This episode really shows off different skills that he's he manages to hit the target from far away with not a sniper rifle so we see that he's accurate we'll later see that he's strategic in his fighting style Mm -hmm. Uh, i also noted here that rafa and hunter kind of meet up on the catwalk and hunter's shooting droids and there's a sequence where rafa goes to shoot looks like she's going to shoot hunter and he dodges out of the way. She's actually shot a droid. She's gotten really good at shooting a blaster. 
Yeah, I'm wondering like what's going on there too. Like you said, there's some character development here that we didn't see in between Clone Wars and now. So I'm wondering if, you know, because where do we leave them off? I guess that's important to note because I forget the very last thing we see. We leave them off in, if we'd had more time between recording this episode and <laughs> uh, actually the, the Bad Batch episode coming out, I would have rewatched the Clone Wars. I really just need to rewatch Clone Wars probably need i need i think i need i've only watched it one time you know what i mean i didn't like ever i watched it twice through uh we mm-hmm. leave them back at the shop uh ahsoka had they had gone through their arc in that and and ahsoka had ended up like leading them more toward the path of doing the right thing and helping people but i can't remember the specifics of exactly how that episode bo-katan shows up to do Bo-Katan things. Uh, it's really vague. Uh, I remember them I remember them ending with like a hopeful note. So it is good to see it continue in, in this show. Yeah, I think yeah, I remember they were doing some kind of like illegal stuff or early. They were stuff. doing a spice sure. run and That's right. like the whole plot of it was like Trace dumps the spice because Rafa is like, we need to do the job, and Ahsoka's like, that's literally drugs. Right, 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 right. And then they have to do a whole thing where they escape from the pikes. And I, I have to rewatch because I don't remember exactly how it ends. Gotcha. Getting back to the show that we're watching. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, we always tangent on stupid we stuff. We always yeah, tangent. But at least it's about characters that are in this episode and not like That's random right. stuff. You know what I mean? I did not go off on another tangent again. Right. Trace gets the droid head back. There's there's a lot of action that we're skipping over with the droid head going from one place to another and people are shooting. I'm skipping over a bunch of it, but uh, Trace gets the droid head back and Omega gets trapped on the conveyor belt. And it's interesting that Trace leaves her and then hears her crying out a, a scene later and, and turns around and comes back. Whereas the Trace, so it's almost kind of like Rafa's softened a bit. Trace is kind of hardened a bit because she does come back for Omega, mm-hmm. but she was going to leave her on the conveyor belt right. in the first place. In between those two, this is the bit that I really want to talk about. We have nothing that I know of that we got wrong last week. Yay. But as we did record last week's episode very quickly, in between Bradley's uh debaucherous new york vacation which i'm sure all manner of of things were happening that he's not telling us about we did actually miss on the last episode because we recorded it so fast there was a sequence where wrecker kind of touches his head and hunter's like what's wrong and hunter's like uh, wrecker's like it's nothing we did skip over that so it was a reference last week Mm -hmm. this week something happens to his head again right and the chip starts to activate. Right, because he starts, he starts saying good soldiers, which are the first bit of the mantra mm-hmm. that they have. And I noted, um, so like you said, last week we didn't mention that, but I think the week before too, he said something along the lines of like, I have a headache. It's been brought up every week since he yeah. hit his head. Right. On the, since he hit his head when they were crashing into the planet. Gotcha. But this week, the chip is actually starting to activate because he's... No, he fights through it. Right, at the end, yeah. But it's starting to activate mm-hmm. because, like, he hears 
He says, he repeats good soldiers over and over again. And then he hears Crosshair's voice saying good soldiers follow orders. Gotcha. So this is a progressive thing that's happening. That's not, does not look like it's going to bode well, but we'll see. That's a big yikes. So he's taken out of commission for a bit. And while he's out of commission, we get a sequence that kind of echoes the Attack of the Clones conveyor belt, the, the droid factory where yeah. the thing is moving and Trace comes back and Trace has to rescue. Trace rescues Omega. Ultimately, they, they concoct a plan to use the droid leg, which Trace is always kind of a, a, a decent planner. But here we see Rafa mentions that Trace had some input into this plan or it was her plan in general. Mm-hmm. And we see her come up on the fly with using the droid leg to pull or at least to hold Omega up so that Hunter can get there. Yeah, I again, this is one of those things where you can't put one of the main characters in immediate danger and make me think that, oh, they're going to die. It's just like Padme in the droid factory where they're like, they keep showing the opening and closing of the molten lava. And you keep thinking like, oh, she's going to get covered in lava and she's going to die. And R2-D2 saves her at the last second. It's the same thing here. We know Omega's not going to die. We know Omega's not going to fall in the fucking lava. Like it's, it does take away from the action just slightly for me at least. Cause again, like we are, you know, trying to analyze the fuck out of this for a child obviously they don't fucking know you know they're gonna no, be like, they're, oh they're gonna hear them they're gonna hear the music the tense right. music and right. see the scary visuals it's it it doesn't to me detract from it too much knowing that okay obviously they're not just gonna randomly kill one of the <laughs> characters right of the show and also like a child this is not revenge of the sith now, if you had told me, like, if you had made that, like, not Omega, and you had made that another character, then I would have maybe believed the suspense a little bit. Because clearly, like, with the beginning of the season, with Crosshair kind of, you know, kind of turning, and then also now Wrecker kind of being like, oh, maybe he's also going to, something's going to happen to him. Like, I'm getting the sense that maybe the Bad Batch is, like, dispensable, whereas Omega is not. So it's kind of like one of those things, like, oh, maybe one of them will go away. We don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, it's certainly possible. I, I want to shout out the music cue when Hunter pulls her up. You know, every time we have Clayton on the show, which we did a couple of weeks ago, I always spend a lot of time thinking about the music for several weeks afterwards. Because mm-hmm. that's one of his big things. He didn't mention it on the last episode he was on. But I just, the, the musical cue, the little Bad Batch light, uh, shout out to the Kiners, who are the kind of unsung, pun not intended, gems of the Clone Wars. The the Kiner brothers who do the music for the Clone Wars. Mm. Uh, they do some awesome music, and they do it for this show. They do the music for this show as well. So we get we rescue Omega. There's kind of a now, Bradley, you're, you're versed in your TV history. There's kind of a who's on first sequence. Like a brief, you know, the Abbott and Costello. I'm sure you had to watch it when you were in school. I don't know if they showed it in any of the classes we were in. You're blanking. You're completely blank. You have no idea what I'm talking about. I could I, see him in the Zoom call just absolutely staring at me like, what in God's name are you on about? You are not speaking basic right now. <laughs> I, you are speaking Hatties, and I don't know what you're saying. 
Uwanawanga. <laughs> so the Who's On First sequence is a fairly famous Abbott and Costello sketch that involves baseball players. And I'm going to explain the joke. The joke is that the characters on the, the runners on the bases are named like who, what, you know? So the joke is who's on first and then the answer is who, that's kind of the back and forth. It's a really, it's one of the, the greatest sequences in comedy history. Gotcha. We get one of those sequences where they say, is there an echo in here? Oh, Hi, okay. I'm Echo. I didn't know I, what part you were talking I'm about. I'm Echo. Yes, I see what you're saying. Okay, that you're right. It was actually pretty funny. Um, I really actually, yeah, I, I liked when she's like, I'm Echo. She's like, oh, really? That's Is there an echo in here? Yeah. Yes. I'm Echo. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great little comedy moment. Yeah, that was good. I did like that. Wrecker overcomes his chip activation and jump down, jumps down. And for the first time since his episodes on the Clone Wars, we actually see him like take down like a whole squadron of these droids. Mm -hmm. And he's like shooting them and tossing them around. And it's actually awesome. Yeah, he's finally being himself. He's like back to... They're letting him like... Do his thing. Actually fight things in the yeah. way that he fights it, which he just comes in like a complete wrecking ball and just destroys everything. Mm-hmm. But they come up with a plan to activate the droids. And they manage to activate them. Tech kind of sticks a thing in that will become relevant later. Uh, but they activate the droids and the B1s uh, activate and super battle droids activate and they attack. But when they start speaking, I have in my notes, oh, hi, Matthew Wood. I love, look, I think people hated the droid talk in the Clone Wars TV show. I think it's one of the best parts of the TV show because it's I so stupid. I think it's interesting they're gaining autonomy. Like if you watch yeah. the show, they start out very, very, very basic, uniform. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then over the course of the Clone Wars, they're giving the droids more personality. Yes, I definitely noticed that because, yeah, if you watch, like, for example, if you watch uh, Phantom Menace, they're very, like, basic. They don't do much. You know, it's just very, like, fire, you know, march forward. Like, it's very, like, basic computer, whatever. And then, yes, in the Clone Wars TV show, they're very kind of quirky and, like, oh, are we supposed to be here right now? Like, <laughs> or That's what? That's a stunningly it- good battle droid that you just did. Oh, thank you. Uh, maybe I should voice the moving forward i should well we wouldn't want to take it away from uh and and i'm going to shout out here doing a lot of creator shout outs today uh shout out matthew wood who i did not mention i was 99 sure he voiced bib fortuna in the last episode but again we recorded the last episode very very fast right right, right. i did not have time to check on that uh but shout out matthew wood he voiced bib fortuna in the last episode he voices mm. he played Bib Fortuna in The Mandalorian. That's he right. voices the battle droids and the clone wars in here. And famously, he is the voice of General Grievous. Love that. He is the voice of General Grievous. If only we could if only we could bring General Grievous back for this show. You know, I I love me some General Grievous. Uh it's one of the rare cases where I prefer the legends 
portrayal of him. I get why, because he was always intended to be like a Saturday morning cartoon villain. Yeah. But I really liked the moral ambiguity to his backstory in Legends. I thought they went a little too dark with him during the actual Clone Wars themselves, but I really liked his backstory. I would have liked to see like, okay, I always think of him as like an old kind of man by the point of Revenge of the Sith. So I would like to see like a younger General Grievous where he's like healthy and he actually like can breathe, you know, like it'd be interesting to see if like they Back when he was actually a Kalish warrior. I mean, that would yeah. be interesting. Yeah maybe see his maybe turn we'll to go rope. back and yeah maybe maybe they'll do a, a show that's actually set between episodes one and two at some point or yeah because we really don't get a lot of that we get we get some backstory in in season one of the clone wars yeah. some of his new backstory where you know he's just a, a warrior who gradually replaced parts of himself with cybernetics so right. that he could be a better fighter but that's really kind of all we get legends had a much more intense backstory for him but well, all that being said i love the the battle droids i love prequel droids yes great shout out matthew wood uh another man of many voices right on uh working for lucasfilm so they escape omega manages to actually use she gets the light bow back and she manages to use it successfully Interesting, she took Echo's advice and not Sid's. Mm, the distraction thing. The distraction thing. Yeah. So it turned out she could fire it once she tuned out the distraction. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like that back in, it's almost like uh, the advice is like kind of, well, you don't have to have any skill if you have power. So that's what Sid was kind of saying. And then right. like Tech was basically telling her, or or, Echo. I'm sorry, Echo was telling her, no, you need to practice. And if you practice, you'll actually be so good that you don't have to think about it anymore. It's just instinct. Well, you know, she also may or may not have the force, so. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. So they <laughs> escape. They, they flee on Trace and Rafa's ship, the Silver Angel, mm-hmm. uh, which we remember from the Clone Wars. I was glad to see it still operational. Uh very spiritual prequel this was where i noted that it was felt like a spiritual prequel to rebels as well because they have this conversation where trace and rafa are like we were going to steal that data to like give to somebody who's fighting back against the empire Mm -hmm. and the clones are very we got to do our our job that we were hired to do and it it harkens back to some of the early rebels conflicts of ideology that we get right I also thought it was interesting showing Rafa's development from the Clone Wars because had she not met Ahsoka, she would probably have the same mentality as as they did. As they do, where, right. well, let's do the job because that's the, the mentality job, yeah. she has in the, the Clone Wars. But, you know, her interactions with Ahsoka have turned her away from that path. And now she's taking the, this job to actually try to help people. So we think. So, so we think, well, we don't, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, Hunter does end up giving Rafa the tactical droids intel. And she's like, well, maybe you are, you know, one of the good guys after all. I'm sure Sid will have something to say about this in the next episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, he does hand it over and she gives it over to what's going to be our talking point for the week. 
Okay. I'm sure there's going to be... I have plenty of stuff. <laughs> there's going to be, for a very brief sequence, Rafa contacts their whoever it is that hired them for the job, who we briefly mm-hmm. see in Hologram. And she explains that she has the tactical droids intel and she tells this mysterious person about the clone troopers. And that's where our episode ends with her telling this mysterious contact about the clones. And I went, I'm going to have to hear about this on Twitter all fucking week, aren't I? Yeah, I, the theories are flying. I literally, I'm nine, can you, I was just typing in, uh, usually for Instagram, I like to get a screen grab of the episode. So I just typed in, uh, Bad Batch episode six or whatever it was uh, on Google. And literally it was like every Screen Rant article is already posted. Like, who is the Jesus. contact that the last people we see at the end of the episode? Is it Darth Maul? Like question mark? Like is all kinds of stuff. I was like, oh my My God. Facebook feed is going to be, because I post so much about these clickbait article sites. Yeah, they all uh, post up to you. <laughs> particularly one in particular that it goes beyond clickbait and that I despise with every fiber of my being. Right. Uh, Facebook suddenly thinks I want to see all of these articles. So I'm sure when I log into Facebook today, it's the first, within the first three or four things I'm going to see is there's going to be a pop-up with probably a screen rant or a comicbook.com article. Who is the mysterious contact? Right. I was going to say Facebook's got you covered. Get fucked, Bradley. <laughs> um, anyway, so I wrote down in my notes, obviously their contact is Jar Jar. <laughs> That's my theory well, for this. Well, that would be interesting. That would be an interesting uh, bring angle back. to take. Um, I mean, my here's first... the thing. We need to bring him back in some way. I don't I know agree. what it, I, I don't know what it is. I'm trying to find different dumb ass ways to shoehorn him back into the series because I genuinely believe if you bring him back now, this is the time because all those kids who watch the prequels are adults now. They would well, fucking love it. Well, he's he's back in the Clone Wars and he's fantastic in the Clone Wars. And Ahmad right. Best clearly has a good working relationship with Lucasfilm because he did that kid show like he loves right over 20 years fans have, have really come around on it he loves interacting with the fans he got a standing ovation at celebration one year you know people have really come around to the fact that he deserves a lot of praise and and part of the reason that i find the treatment of his character in episodes two and three kind of distasteful is because I felt like the character was minimized due to that fan backlash. Right. So it's good to see the character is getting a little bit more love uh, and the actor in particular deserves a lot of credit for the work that he did. So it would exactly. be awesome to see him come back. I would love to. Plus, I'd, I also kind of want to see an updated, like how they would do it, right? Like, would they use CGI or would they do a mixture of CGI and practical? Like, I don't know how they would do it. I kind of would be curious we, to see that. We know from um, we know from the Aftermath trilogy that he ends up, by the time the Empire falls, he's blamed for initially proposing the emergency measures in the first place that would eventually lead to the empire Mm -hmm. and he winds up being like a street performer 
my view on that particular interlude has softened because when I originally read it, I went, this is stupid, pretty <laughs> stupid. This is pretty like heartbreaking for this character. Like, but like the way the short story ends, like the idea is, well, you know, he's entertained, he's brings joy to children, which is all he ever really wanted to do, which I've kind of softened my stance on that interlude where I'm like, Hmm. You know, yeah. it's it's a nice it's a nice way of reaffirming that, you know, he's he was there to entertain kids as long as he entertains kids, he's right, you know, kind of doing his Okay, fine, but let's say for argument's sake, maybe he's just helping start the rebellion with Rex or something. Like that's what he's really known for. It's it's entirely possible. Now <laughs> I have a few I have a few theories yes, of my okay. own. What, what are your theories? Because I wrote down <laughs> I wrote down Jar Jar, obviously, but then I wrote down more likely, possibly, and then maybe. <laughs> so when I first saw it and I, I saw the the way that, because I paused, I freeze-framed on the hologram. I went back and freeze-framed on it. Uh, okay. Uh, it's a small number because it is referred to as a he. So that rules out people like Ahsoka. Right. Uh, Mon Mothma. Um there's certain characters that are kind of ruled out my if it hadn't been a he i would have immediately thought it was ahsoka because that would just make sense um on the other hand as i say this out loud it could be her in the robe it could be her in the robe yeah because here's the thing fulcrum when fulcrum shows up in season one yeah they're wearing like like this robe and the voice is distorted. It could be her. I mean, it could I, be a so. I didn't even have her on my list, but you're right. It could be. Now her. that I say it out loud, I'm like, actually, the, the way well, the, the, the way the yeah. robe kind of comes out. Because first, I thought is that it might be a Jedi. Hmm. So it might be, it might be a Jedi that's doing it. Second thought was it might be Bail Organa. That was my. I was thought, like, there's yeah. there's really no way that somebody as important as Bail Organa is going to want to risk revealing himself to a couple of that's true teenage smugglers so now that i'm thinking about it it could be ahsoka i really think it's ahsoka in her fulcrum disguise so now that's all assuming when uh rafa says you know somebody who's trying to stop the empire is a good person right because just because you're trying to stop the empire doesn't mean you're a good person could be saw guerrera that was my more likely category is what I said. It was probably saw because he's kind of, you know, in that phase right now of recruiting and trying to start people. I had a kind of a more um, fun one. Uh, now that we've kind of established timeline wise, one of mine uh, random ones is not convenient anymore because I think she's too young. Um, so I don't think it would work, but I said it could have been like Infus Nest or something because it was like the start of the rebellion. You know, it could be Infusnest's mother. That was my it takes ex- right because Infus Nest is like implied in solo to be passed down from mother to daughter. Right. That's what I thought. So I, I thought maybe that could be it. But if we're gonna go even more evil, I thought possibly Dryden Voss or someone at Crimson Dawn because I thought I don't think it's Maul, but I think it could be Dryden by this point because he's still kind of a lieutenant. So maybe he's recruiting people to do stuff, you know. I don't know. But those are just some extra. The fan theories are going to fly all week. Oh. I'm 
We I'm could literally go on for hours. Yeah. I'm set in Ahsoka. I think it's Ahsoka. You think it's as, Ahsoka? As, okay. As I mean, I like that because I, I do think although, we can see a, a white robe, but. Although that would open up timeline questions. Yeah. Because I'm not sure exactly at what point. She that starts. would answer questions. How much time has passed since Clone Wars, the final season of Clone Wars? Mm-hmm. Has it been several months? In which case the the Ahsoka novel, I think, takes place over the course of a few months. Oh, so she could just be starting out as Fulcrum. I I have questions. Uh-oh. Well, I you're going to have to read a lot questions. of articles this weekend. <laughs> or I'll just read the books uh, because that's fun and uh, I enjoy that. And I would true. rather stab myself repeatedly in the face than right. read some of these outlets. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the article that's going to be like, they're talking to Obi-Wan Kenobi and the da 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 da. I'm like, all right. That was a theory that briefly crossed my mind is, oh, they might be talking to Obi-Wan, but I'm like, I just, I I just counted that pretty quickly. Yeah. I like your, I'm going to go with, I like your Ahsoka theory because I'm assuming we're going to find out next week, but we may not. Maybe not next week, but maybe later on in the series, we'll find out who they're talking to. Right. Well, I'm going to stick with my Jar Jar theory for now. (laughs) Um, until we know more, because why not? But I like your Ahsoka theory the best. I think the obvious choice, though, unfortunately, is Saw Gerrera, and I just don't think that's a very interesting choice, but that's probably the more likely choice. Well, we're we're going to have to throw some credits down on it then. We're going to have right. to wager like those guys. I think it's Ahsoka. I was going to say, let's write down our theories right now because we'll have to remember that for later. And then that way we can go back. Uh, next, well, once we find out, we'll be like, oh, Charles said Ahsoka and he was right. And then it's going to end up being Jar Jar. And I'm going to quit the podcast because I'm going to go work for Lucasfilm by that point because I'm going to be like, well, I already knew that that's what you guys wanted. So clearly I should be writing for you guys. Bradley, do you have any final concluding thoughts on this episode? Um, other than justice for Jar Jar, no, I really don't have anything else. I liked seeing the Martez uh, sisters again. They'll probably return um, because if they were in, you know, the final season of Clone Wars and now they're in this one, I don't see why they wouldn't return. Um, uh, the only other thing I didn't get to in my notes is that uh, when we do see the kind of factory scene or whatever, we hear those droid factory noises from Clone Wars uh, or Attack of the Clones. Um, which I actually like because it's one of you know my favorite prequel movies. So I just love that they do that. So um, he likes Attack of the Clones, but not Resistance. I don't know what is wrong with <laughs> your opinions on anything <laughs> at all. All right, so that wraps it up for this week. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Gold Squad Gaze. I am also using the Twitter account more to especially during the month of June, but I want to try to keep doing it. Highlight more queer Star Wars creators that I'm excitedly discovering. You can also follow us on Instagram at, at Gold Squadron Gaze. Bradley and I were discussing Twitter followers versus Instagram followers in the pre-meeting. Since I run the Twitter account and he runs the Instagram, I'm currently winning because we have more followers on Twitter than Instagram. Shock. And you can also uh, check me out on Twitch at CWRogers6. I stream Star Wars games every Monday to coincide with the release of the podcast. 
and we will see you guys next week to find out if Rex is finally gonna fucking show up in if this Rex is finally show. gonna show up in this goddamn show <laughs> it watch is gonna be like the end of the season is when it, when it's up. exactly what's gonna happen I know it it's just like some stupid ass they're gonna wait till the last second alrighty we will see you guys next week bye bye If it turns out to be Saw Gerrera, I have to purchase you two Funko Pops. <laughs> but if it turns out to be Ahsoka, you have to purchase the Ahsoka and Maul Lego set. All right. Well, then I wrote and it if down. Neither, if neither of us are wrong, we'll... Uh, we'll still buy those things anyway. <laughs> we'll still buy those we'll things. We'll still buy them. We just won't buy them for each other. We'll just still buy them, though.